Tonight's reading is from Jonah chapter 2, which is on page 927 of the Pew Bibles. So I'll just give you a few seconds to look that up. So it's on page 927 of the Pew Bibles. Jonah's prayer. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I avoid, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And if you'll join with me now in prayer, um, we're going to pray for the situation um, we see in the Caribbean and in Florida and pray for the survivors um, and the area affected by Hurricanes Harvey and Hurricane Irma. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord of all creation, we awe and wonder at the creation you have made. From the flowers and bees to the sand and mountains, from the gentle rivers to the raging seas, we look at an awesome creation and are, point, are pointed to you, our even more awesome God. Lord, as we look at the news about Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma, we are reminded that we are not in control of this earth. So often we plan and expect to have control over so much in our lives, and yet when we see what nature can do, we are reminded that our lives, this earth, and everything and all of us in it are here, exist, survive and thrive at your hand, and only by your hand. Lord, when we look at the impact of Hurricane Harvey in Texas and what Hurricane Irma is now doing as we sit here, we are in awe of the power of nature, and yet it is nothing in comparison to the awe of our Creator who designed the seas and the weather and is mighty to save. Lord, we thank you that the path of Irma was steered away from Haiti. We know Haiti is still trying to recover from earthquakes, floods, landslides, hurricanes, recent storms and the outbreaks of cholera and typhoid that have followed. Your people in Haiti cried out to you that you would change the path of Irma from their country that is already on its knees and you were gracious in your answer. Lord, we thank you for this mercy and we do not take this for granted. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy that you have shown to the people of Haiti. Lord, we pray for the people of Cuba, Puerto Rico, Antigua, Barbuda, the British Virgin Islands, and now the people of Florida, where Hurricane Irma has made contact and caused so much devastation. Lord, we cannot even imagine what it must be like waiting for a natural disaster like this to hit, and what the people of these nations have been waiting for and have now experienced, or trying to pick up the pieces of homes, schools, and livelihoods destroyed. Lord, have mercy. 
Lord, we pray for your church in these places. Lord, we pray that you would equip them and guide them as they seek to help people rebuild their lives and help them be strong in times of exceptional trial. With waves taller than this building and winds of 130 miles an hour, it is hard to imagine how anything could withstand this storm. Lord, we pray your mercy on those who have not been able to evacuate and those that simply have nowhere to go. May they know you as their comfort, their strength and their guide when there is no material comfort there for them. Lord, we pray for organisations like the UN, Red Cross and Disaster Relief who will seek to help people in the aftermath of these hurricanes. Lord, we pray for justice in the way aid is distributed and it will be used for full effect to help these communities and these nations. We pray against widespread outbreaks of cholera and excessive malaria as often these following diseases take more lives than the storms themselves. Lord, we pray for your mercy. As we read the story of Jonah, we see in Jonah that you use what looked like a desperate situation for Jonah to bring him back to you and to change the future of Nineveh as Jonah then obeyed and followed your call. Lord, we find it hard to see how any good thing can come from a natural disaster like Hurricane Irma, but we know you are mighty to save and work in ways that we don't understand, imagine or plan. And we pray that you'd use this natural disaster, as awful as it is, to bring many to you and that there will be much rejoicing in heaven due to lives won for you because people turn to you in this time of need. We pray all of these things in your merciful name. Amen. I wonder if you will turn with me to page 927, because that will be handy. Um, we're looking at the book of Jonah at the moment. Uh, last uh, Sunday night, we were looking at chapter 1, and there we've already seen that God spoke to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city in Nineveh. And he went the opposite direction, didn't he? So now in chapter 2, there is opportunity for Jonah to speak to God. God has spoken to Jonah in chapter 1. Now it's the other way around. Jonah hadn't really wanted God to speak to him in chapter 1. But God has brought him to a place where Jonah is prepared to speak to God. So we see uh, chapter 2 verse 1 starts off from inside the fish. That's the place that God had provided for Jonah. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And uh, we're going to be seeing what it was that he, he prayed about. Now, chapter 1 is all about what God feels for people who are lost. And chapter 2 is all about what Jonah feels when he himself is lost in the depths of the ocean. And that's a preparation for his heart as he thinks about the Ninevites who are lost, he's, he's having to have his heart changed so that he's prepared to understand where other people are coming from. Um, <clears throat> now, just in case we need to be reminded, Jonah is not our hero. Um, the book may be called Jonah, but chapter 117 reminds us that the central character is not the flawed or bigoted prophet, but is in fact the gracious and compassionate Lord. He's the hero, 
in this story, the God of heaven, the creator of the sea and dry land. Um, Heather, you read beautifully to us uh, the the, uh, chapter, but it's so short. Let's just read it again, will we? Uh, Because in chapter 1, verse 17, we see the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Does that remind you of anything? How interesting. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave... I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Anybody ever been there? Hmm? You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threaten me. The deep surrounds me. Seaweed is wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit. O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Our gracious Lord, as we turn now to your word, we pray that you will grant us the presence and the enabling of the Holy Spirit so that we may not simply learn things that are interesting, but that our lives may be impacted for good and for your glory. Amen. This uh, last week, Uh, We've been able to spend each night praying, and it has been just wonderful. Every night we've been able to gather as church community to acknowledge that God is God and we are not. This is His church, it's not ours. And that what we want more than anything else, that Christ would exercise His Lordship over our congregation's life and witness. Eugene Peterson puts it very Wonderfully, in one of his books, he says, prayer is not the way in which we order things. It is a way in which we become ordered. The Christian life is not the first place, in the first place, something we do. It consists of the healthy and mature formation of our lives by God's Holy Spirit incorporating us into the very heart of God. And so here in this Old Testament story, we we see how God feels for the city of Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't feel for that city. Jonah loved the grace of God when it was for himself, but he resented it when it was extended to people not like him. And, And this simply will not do 
And so God had to enable Jonah to feel as he feels. And so this chapter tells us the depth to which Jonah had to sink before he was able to comprehend the feelings God has towards those who are lost. I wonder if you can think, this isn't actually the first prayer in this book. Yeah? In chapter one, we have a prayer. It's not by Jonah. At no point in chapter one do we find Jonah praying. God spoke to Jonah and said, go, and he said, no. Well, was that a prayer? I don't think so. But Jonah certainly is not praying in chapter one. Jonah didn't want to communicate with the God who communicated to him. Uh, instead, he took things into his own hands and he went in the very opposite direction. So, so Jonah wasn't praying. The prayer we have in chapter one is not by Jonah the prophet, but by the pagan sailors. Do you see that in, in verse 14? When the sea grew even wilder than before, they cried to the Lord. They cried to the God of heaven and earth. Please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Is that, is that not incredible? The first prayer we have in this Bible book isn't from the Hebrew prophet who worships the Lord, the God of heaven, but from pagans. Now, chapter 2, verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah was prepared to pray. Where's a good place to pray? Church? Well, well I'm sure it is. In a quiet place, uh, and everybody else has gone out? Surely. Jonah prayed from inside a fish, and you know something, that's Okay. What's the correct posture for us to pray? Jonah prayed with the currents swirling about his head and the seaweed all around him. Later on in chapter 3, we'll see that it is possible to pray God when uh, <clears throat> being convicted of the judgment of God. And here in chapter 2, we see that Jonah does exactly the same. He's been running away from him. And now he's in a big hole. He's been trying to live his own life, a disobedient life, but a sin has caught up with him. He's been refusing to live under the lordship of Christ. And now he has sunk down into a place so deep, he literally has nowhere deeper to go. And in his distress, we're told he called to the Lord. It's interesting that in the week when grace was dropped from the Lord Mayor's banquet, uh, while public prayer is less visible or even acceptable uh, publicly, recent research has shown that in the United Kingdom as a whole, and that's talking about across the water, not just here, only one in seven people say that they would never resort to prayer in the face of problems in their lives or those of their friends, or wider world. Now, that's not saying that six out of every seven people 
or praying to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. But it is nonetheless intriguing. And it's indicative of the veracity of Jonah's response uh, when in a crisis. Now, the Lord Jesus, without question, encourages us to pray to Abba, dear Father. Uh, Jesus encourages us to pray in relationship. That's the case. And yet, it's fascinating that the scriptures aren't stuffy about crisis prayers either. Um, think of Psalm 18. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to God, and he heard my voice. Um, did you hear some of the people in, in Barbuda this, this week crying to God during the hurricane and encouraging their children to do the same? It's the most natural thing. Why? Because we're created to cry to the God who has made us. That's why. Or Psalm 34, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Or Psalm 138, on the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. So, yes, Jesus wants the normal way that we pray to be a relationship. But Jonah shows us, and the Bible indicates that even as a father responds to the cries of his wee boy or girl, so God, our loving Heavenly Father, is not proud. He drops everything as it were to respond to his children's panic prayers and tears. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, said Jonah, verse 6, but you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Very shortly, we're going to celebrate communion. In a few moments' time, we're going to receive the elements of bread and of wine, which will remind us of the depth to which Jesus sank for us. We are the ones who've sunk low, but Jesus has sunk even lower in order to lift us up. Out of our distress, out of the miry clay, Before we come to that, it may be that some here this evening are feeling not a million miles away from Jonah. As Psalm 69 says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I have sunk into the miry depths. There is no foothold. I have come into deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out crying for help. Is that you? Maybe reached a place of deep distress, either for yourself or somebody else close to you. And if that's the case, you're not here tonight by accident. No. It's God's wonderful providence that you know the pathway to life. Glance down at what you will in verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. What is it that God wants us to do? He wants us to call out his name. That's the straightforward and clear invitation. Cry out to God. That's good. That's right. That's proper. And verse 4, I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. What's the second thing God wants us to do? He wants us to look, look to God. 
instead of looking away from the Lord, look to Him. And thirdly, verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord. My prayer rose to you. Jonah himself intriguingly is experiencing here in the depths of the ocean what it is that God wants for Nineveh, that they too might call out to the Lord, that they might look to him, that they might remember. These steps are as appropriate for you and for me as they were for Jonah and the Ninevites. Call out to the Lord. Look to him. Remember what he has done for you. And when we do, what's the outcome? Well, the Lord graciously hears and answers. And so the fourth appropriate thing in verse 9 is to say thank you. I will say a song of thanksgiving and sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. With the help and the enabling of God's Holy Spirit, I live an obedient and holy life. I will be set apart and available for you, Lord. Well, tonight we we all have this beautiful invitation of the Lord Jesus to accept his invitation in our need, in our circumstances, to do precisely these four things. As the elements of bread and wine are brought to us, or in the company of other people, or or with a member of the prayer team at the end of the service, we too can call out to God, please do. Look to Him. Remember Him. Say thanksgiving. Nothing complicated. Deeply, deeply significant. And it's intriguing, and I'm sure it is for you as well, that these four steps are possible. Why? Because Jesus walked them before us. When Jesus was on earth, he died our death. He did something for us we could never do for ourselves. It was, it was us like Jonah who ought to have drowned. It was us like Jonah who were guilty of rebellion, of disobedience, of going the opposite way. It's it's us like Jonah who ought to have been banished into the place of turmoil and unrest. But Jesus has done something absolutely astonishing. He has taken our place. It's he who says, hold on a minute. Take me. Throw me overboard. I will plunge into the depths of the grave for you. I am willing to sink into the miry pit so that you don't have to. And when Jesus, the innocent one, was thrown overboard and went down, down, he went to the grave so that we might rise up. He called out for help and received no reply as all the sin and the rebellion of this world flooded over his head so that when you and I cry out, God may hear and answer our prayers. It was Jesus in the words of Psalm 69 had gall in his food and vinegar for his thirst so that we could come to the banqueting table and receive the bread and wine. It was Jesus who when his life ebbed away did that so that we could be raised up to eternal life. There is 
an amazing sentence in chapter 2, verse 9. It's the key verse that unlocks the whole of this astonishing book. You may or may not know that for us, if we give a speech or if we give a talk, something like that, the most important thing is at the start and at the end. In the Hebrew mind, the most important thought, and it's still the case in the Middle East, the most important thought in any document or any speech is bang in the middle. If you want to find the most significant thing, look in the very middle. What is in the middle of this very book? One sentence. Salvation comes from the Lord. Who is this book about? Not Jonah. Who's the hero of this book? Not the prophet. It's the Lord. Call upon him right now. Look to him. Remember him. And say thank you. In the middle of our distress, salvation comes from the Lord. The grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.